baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. I have been so excited about this next guest. I, you've heard me talking about it all day long, and I am so glad to have him here. And his mom's with him as well. Thomas Aldis, thanks so much for being here. A 14-year-old freshman at Alderdice High School. As an eighth grader at Colfax, you decided to enter a robotics competition, a science and an engineering contest. Tell us a little bit about what you wanted to do and how much did it change from what you thought you were going to do to what you ultimately ended up doing? Yeah, so um, I wanted to build basically a robotic hand that I could control really easily. Uh-huh. Um, I decided to do that by basically making a, a glove and then as a person would wear the glove, however they move their hand, the, the the robot would do exactly what they do. So if you move your thumb, then the robot's thumb would move. If you move your index finger, that index finger would move, right? Exactly. So right. if you point the finger, the robot would point the finger or bend yep. the fingers. Is Am I getting that right? Yep, that's exactly right. So yep. how is it connected? Is it is it Bluetooth? Is it wired? Are there tethers that go back and forth? Yeah. So it's it's uh, over radio. So, okay. Yeah. So I know a little something about that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's, it sends it over a radio, but on um, between the two. So it's all wireless, but um, yeah. So it's able to connect wirelessly. So on your hand right now, it's on mm-hmm. your right hand. You've exactly. basically got an orange glove, but yep. it looks like there are sensors at the fingertips. Is that right. what those are? Yeah. So there's um, there's like a box on sort of like the back of my hand. Uh huh. And there's a sensors inside that detect rotation, and those are connected to spools that are connected to the um, string to the tip of the finger. And that's just string that then goes to exactly. that spool. So when you move, it knows how far exactly. you're because, moving that. Right, because it will turn the spool and then turn the rotation sensor. Interesting. Uh, and that's how you can detect how open or closed your fingers are. Exactly. So how did you learn to communicate the information that comes through the sensors into the robotic hand itself? I mean, that seems to me to be the real uh, piece of resistance of the whole thing, right? I mean, you had yeah. to be able to figure that out. How did you get that figured out? Yeah, so there are basically two like tiny computers. There's one in the glove and there's one also in the hand. Uh-huh. And so basically the, the sensors, um, all that data is read by the computer on the glove and that packages it all up. Um, basically it's called like a string in, in programming and it sends that all as one data set over the radio and that's collected by the hand which then does just like a little bit of math and sends that to the motors, which can move the uh, the hand. So um, I had a little bit of background on like using these tiny computers. They're called Arduinos. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, the radio was sort of a new thing for this project that I had to do some research into before I figured out exactly how to get those to connect. Had you started working with robotics and whether it was, you know, moving something from here over to there to pick something up, had you done other competitions, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, or is this something that you jumped into in middle school? Yeah, so uh, I've done a couple of science fairs before at like my like school. This was the first time I did one. Um, I did, it's called uh, Precef. It's at the Carnegie Science Center. Uh-huh. Um, so that was the first time I'd ever done 
that one i've never done one for robotics either they were all like more science based right um so yeah this is my first time entering like a robotics engineering competition so show me how it works if you were yeah. to go ahead and turn everything on so, yeah. you basically there's a red light that's flashing that this says that what the receiver is active is that in essence what it is yeah so the red light means uh, that there's power connected okay uh oh i don't know something appears to not be so <laughs> the blue light means that the uh it's sending over the radio okay I'm not. Into, I think we may uh, have power issues. Yeah, we might have some power yeah. issues here. I'm not sure. It's okay. Take yeah. your time. Sorry, I'm not sure if the, I'll turn it back on. There, there we go. go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We just so had a power strip that was uh, as a KDK yeah. engineering issue. It was not a Thomas problem. <laughs> yeah. So as you move your hands, I mean, you literally make a fist, yep. and then the robot make, and it's almost instantaneous. There's very right. little lag. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And that's one of the things that was cool about um, the radio. That was one of my concerns while building it because. Um, that kind of defeats the purpose if it's too much of a delay between the two. So, so how close do you have to be in terms of, you know, if that was over closer to where I am, if we're, say, eight feet apart, does it have that kind of range or do you need to be working close proximity? Yeah, so it definitely um, has that kind of range. I, I've sort of like walked around my house with it. And, sure. And, you know, it, it can go pretty far. I don't have like an exact measurement range on it. Um, but that's also the type of thing that with the radio you can, um, you know, obviously increase the, the range pretty easily, but it's upgrading the radio um, capacity as well. So I just want you to move your hand a little bit, let people hear. Yeah. And all that is doing is it's opening and closing each individual finger and or thumb mm -hmm. on the robotic hand as he does the same thing. So it really is mirroring what you do. Exactly. Why would that be important? Why would that be important from a usefulness standpoint of a robotic hand? Yeah. So. What what really makes this interesting is that it, you know, the sort of goal is to make it as if a human were actually in wherever the robot is mm. without the without the human actually having to be there. So you can imagine in like a dangerous situation or a search and rescue type of situation where you know the um, a human might ideally go because they're more you know uh, they can move things more precisely and do that sort of thing. Um, but it's it's a very dangerous sort of situation. So if you can make it almost as if the the human were there, but it's actually a robot. It yeah. improves the safety of, of the situation overall for everyone involved. And so if you're going through some rubble, for instance, after a natural disaster, the robot hand could be in there. And if it ends up being pinched because something falls, you don't lose exactly. two or three fingers or your hand. Right. You end up losing the robot, which is still problematic. Yep. But at least you were able to pull those things aside more safely than if it was your hand or your arm inside that space. Exactly. And, and another goal of the project, too, was to really keep the costs low. Uh -huh. Because obviously when we're going to dangerous situations. You know, if it does get lost, that is a concern. So that's definitely something that I wanted to do. And so I was able to make the hand for just uh, $60 and the glove for just 30 which compared to most uh, robotic You're saying that gloves. what you have in front of us is a basically a $90 project? Yeah, uh, it's Plus about $100. Right. Well, no, overall, including the electronics, is all about $100 um, for everything. Yeah. And it's powered by a nine volt battery. Did your mom teach yeah. you that? Was that her idea? I mean, saying let's no. make this one. No, no, yeah. Mom that... didn't help a whole lot with this. No, not necessarily. So yeah. when you found out that you won first prize, mm -hmm. and that first prize was twenty five thousand dollars in this particular cup, I mean, I see the smile on your face right now, <laughs> and I don't think that you've wiped that off since you won. Yeah. What was your reaction? Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, we we were at a, an awards dinner when they announced it, so. It was kind of, it was kind of a blur because you know they, they brought me up onto the stage really quickly and I couldn't really process it. I still haven't really processed yeah. it entirely, so I, I don't really remember. I don't really know. It was just it was 
It was crazy. It it's really absolutely exciting. amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. What's next? What do you what do you think? Are there other competitions? Does this go on to another national or an international? Or at this point, is that the end of the line for this particular competition? Yeah, so this one, I, I started at the Precept, the regional fair, and then mm -hmm. I went to the, the national fair, which is what I won, the 25,000. Right. Um, so this project is done, um, but I do plan to do, um, hopefully, Precept, the local fair again this year, and uh, yeah, we'll see how where it goes. Let's see if we can wave goodbye to Paul Alexander yeah. out there as Paul's getting ready to get in here yeah. and see. He's waving yeah. back, so your robot obviously gets the humans to respond yeah. exactly the way it is. Thomas, congratulations. Thank really, you. really great stuff. Really proud to get a chance to meet you and feature you here on KDK. Congratulations. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, really, really cool stuff. Paul Alexander's joining us right now. Let's get the latest as to what's going on with the traffic from the P.J. Fitzpatrick Home Improvement Traffic Center. Paul, can you top that? Uh, no. Uh, I got, work, I got, no. I got nothing. No, absolutely not. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time: baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops, or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.